Welcome and thank you for taking the time to listen to the Word of God released through Randolph Barnwell. Randolph is the founder and senior elder of Gate Ministries Durban Central. Be encouraged to access free additional resources for your edification at randolphbonnell.com. Great grace, peace, and mercy from Christ be multiplied to you as you listen to this teaching. Last week, or the last session, we looked at meditation's matter and its motive. And there I said to you, the motive of meditation is understanding with a view to obey. Understanding with a view to obey. God said to Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, that you might observe to do all that is written therein. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So we, the primary objective of meditation is that we might obey the word. Every time we obey the word, we express the fact that we have become the word incarnate. The seed of the word has now become the son of the kingdom. Right? And so we exhibit, um, I, I think it's, I like to frame it like this. Whenever you obey the word, not only has the seed now become the son. Remember the parable of the, of the seed and the sower? The seed was the word of God. And the latter portion or parable in Matthew 13, the seed is now the son of the kingdom. And I taught this to you, I taught this to you in, I think it was session two and three in, the seri- in this present series. The seed of the word becomes the son of the kingdom. So the word becomes flesh and dwells among men. So the word can be called son. And whenever the word becomes son, if you are son, what you're essentially doing, you're demonstrating the fact that I imbibe and embody the nature of my, of my father. So obedience, therefore, puts the nature of God on display. Because the seed of the world has become the son of the kingdom, who is reflective of the nature of his father. So whenever I do the word, I exhibit God. Right? I put God on display. Meditation's objective is to get me to that place where I obey demonstrating the degree to which I've imbibed the nature of God now in my life. If it's not in my mind, it will never be in my life. Meditation's venue is the mind, place where it happens, right? The mind of the soul, the mind of the spirit first. Remember Psalm 77, I think verse 16 or 6 says, I meditate and my spirit ponders. So what ponders my Spirit. So the mind of the spirit does the rumination and reflection. It's designed to lead the mind of the soul in the same activity. right? Because with the mind of the spirit we receive the word of the Lord. And we're now going to coach, direct the mind of the soul in the same activity. That is why biblical meditation is impossible without the word of the Lord can't say to me you're meditating you got no word meditation subject is the word meditations matter is the word the subject matter is the word of the lord received in your spirit and your spirit um, directs the mind of the soul to follow in the same activity amen 
And so this is the objective of meditation. Understanding with the view to obey. Especially I said to you last or last session, you must understand the words released by your spiritual father more than anything else. Whilst you can meditate upon your own reading and own study, the, you must do that. But the, the, the primary focus of your meditative endeavors has got to be the teachings of your spiritual father. Paul would say this to his son Timothy, consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding in, in all things. He would say to him, retain the standard of sound words which you have heard from me. Right? Retain, echo, hold, or possess in your mind the standard of sound words. I also said to you, it's not just the content, it's the spirit of what is released. Right? In Romans 6, he would say, I'm thankful. He said, why is a father thankful? What makes a father happy? What can make a spiritual father thankful? Paul said this in Romans 6. I am thankful that you Romans are obedient to the form of teaching which you have received from me. Right? Not just the teaching. It's the schema this in the Greek. The outline, the, the broad parameters of the doctrine that I've released. You're not just obedient to its content, but you even imbibe the frequency of it. I don't know if you ever realize this, but at times even you can preach a subject that you're called upon to deliver, impressed by the Lord, and when you deliver it, it's in the same, even though your spiritual father has not even touched that topic, but when you speak on it, it's the same frequency because it comes in the same scheme of his doctrine. Right? Or the work is outlined. So you never go beyond the outline. Right? The broad parameters of what you've received. Okay? So it's both the content and the, the frequency of what you have, have, have received. Tonight's study, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go more specifically and focus on meditation's matter. And I also want to summarize and present to you five broad areas. But before we do that, um, just as an introduction, I wrote in your introduction, we are always meditating. There's never a time when your mind stops thinking, right? The claim to have a blank mind is highly improbable, right? Um, let my people think is the new command to the pharaohic systems of this world. They're always thinking. You're always ruminating. I'll, I'll share this with you next week, but Jesus said in Matthew 6, Take no care for your life, what you shall eat, drink, or wear, Right? Preservation and issues of provision consume people's thoughts. When's my next breakthrough? When's my next provision coming from? Your mind, the enemy can keep you fixated there. And you've got to learn how to break out of letting that dimension consume you. Because Jesus gave a very clear instruction. Do not give any meditation to that. Take no thought to that domain. Right? Peter says, casting, if you have care, you know how care consumes your mind? Worry. Remember the song, Don't Worry, Be Happy? Right? First Peter says, uh, cast your care on him. So there's a dimension of thought that should not be in your mind. Right? The issues of preservation, provision, how God's going to come through, how God... If you are a son, you just rest in quiet confidence that God will break through. And you rather take your mind and employ it on other issues. Right? The old Chinese proverb says, you worry, you die. You don't worry, 
you still die. So why worry? <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? You know, um, if you knew tomorrow, let's say you're in a serious financial predicament right now, and you needed like 10,000 rand to come through. And if you knew that uh, three days later, someone is actually going to bless you with a million, right? If you knew that, it will, it will drastically alter your present state. Not so. But often in the face of need, all we see is the year and now. But we cannot project and depend upon the nature of God to provide for us. And I want to encourage you, a son stands in quiet confidence to see how his father will break through. I will share that with you maybe next week. What I want to, to, to really challenge you with is, don't let your mind wander. Mental drift is a serious problem in the kingdom. Don't let your mind be fixated on the wrong things. Right? Don't, even, don't even let your mind be entertained by sinful thoughts. Okay? But the mind needs direction. Ecclesiastes 7.25 says, I directed my mind. Right? I instructed my mind. Right? Your mind needs management. Until it's renewed, it needs someone to direct it. The mind of the spirit must direct the mind of the soul as to what to, to focus on. As to what to focus on. Now, look at the second paragraph. I just this thought hit me today. Because I saw it on my computer. Trying to adjust the settings of my page. And I put the computer on, put the computer off. And then the message came up. Uh, do you want to restore the default settings to the page? Yes or no? You know the little block? So, and it hit me. The computer is programmed with default settings. Any computer, any software application, computer and most electronic devices come with pre, what they call presets. It's preset to, as soon as it, you buy it, take it out of the box and plug it in. There's a set function by the manufacturer already encoded in the system and it functions automatically. It will open up to certain values or predetermined standards. Right? So, in computer language, a default second paragraph in computer science refers to the setting or the value automatically assigned to a software application and computer program or device outside of user intervention. Right? You can change it if you want to, but it comes pre-installed according to that level. Right? Such settings are also called presets, especially for electronic devices. Default values are generally intended to make a device or control usable out of the box as soon as you take it. The manufacturer of the product determines the default settings. I wrote the original God-determined default setting for the mind of the spirit was to function by simply receiving and obeying the word of God. When God made man before the original sin, he put a default setting in Adam's mind. In other words, as he comes out of the box to, to interface the world as a brand new creation, there were certain automatic things that should happen. And for Adam, it was reflexive to receive the word and obey the word, mind of the spirit. And then the mind of the soul, the default setting, was to unquestioningly just follow the leading of the mind of the spirit. That was the 
default setting. So I want to encourage you to restore your, the default settings to the divine presets, if you would, that God has installed within you. Meditation, meditation, biblical meditation, is designed to correct the default setting of the mind of the spirit and soul as determined by our Creator. Colossians 3, verse 1 and 2 says, well, the verse 2 says, set your mind on things uh, above. Okay? Set your minds on things above. Um, when, you, when you attach a, computer, a, a printer to your, to your computer, the computer identifies it as the default printer. Right? In other words, if you, if you press print and, you, and you're printing a document, it will automatically use the default printer. That is if you have more than one printer connected to your device. Right? Um, if you want to use another printer, you will have to change the default settings and make your selection. Right? What man has done over the years is he's moved away from the default settings of the mind of the soul, the mind of the spirit, and the mind of the soul as God had programmed it to be. God's will was always this. Whenever he speaks, the mind of your spirit simply receives and obeys the word. The mind of the soul doesn't question anything. It just blindly follows what the mind of the spirit has received and accepted as true from the realm of God speaking. Right? Man, through falling to the temptation in sin, has altered those default settings. Meditation is nothing more than an attempt to bring the default settings back to the original specs, if you would, presets that the Creator, God, has determined for us. So I want to encourage you, get back to the original default settings. Um, it was natural, it was most reflexive for the mind of Adam's soul to follow the mind of his spirit before the fall. Right? It was the most natural thing to do. That setting has gone awry, it's gone offbeat. Meditation's role is to correct that malfunction in the system, as it were. So I want to encourage you to correct your, your, your divine default settings mentally. God must be pleased with what we have in our minds. The employment of the activity of the mind must be pleasing to the Lord. And Psalm 19 verse 14 says the following. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May my meditation, Psalm 104 verse 34, may my meditation be pleasing to him, for I rejoice in the Lord. The cry in both of these psalms is for whatever we think about to find acceptability with God. It's, it, it must be your constant desire. The content of my mind, two things here. I should underline the words in verse, Psalm 19, verse 14, acceptable, and in Psalm 104, verse 34, pleasing. Your meditation must be acceptable and must please the heart of God. If God looks at the content of your thinking, the subject of your rumination, What's going on in that mind of my son 
What is he consistently thinking about? And let me just say, like I said, you're always meditating. Just direct the mind to focus on the right things now. Because the mind always works. Even when you're sleeping. Some people's subconscious is more active. <laughs> right? Some people wake up tired because they're so busy while sleeping mentally. <laughs> you know. Um, so it's important and my, the, that the prayer of the psalmist, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, must be our cry. Whatever we, however we meditate, Father, must be pleasing to you. Right, now, meditations matter. Like I've said, the first issue, I'm going to share with you five broad factors of things you should think about consistently. The first thing, obviously, is the word of the Lord. Eh? That's the primary focus of our meditation. God's word is the primary subject and focus of our meditation, especially the words released to you by your spiritual Father, so I hope you're rehearsing everything I taught you. I hope the only time, I, d I hope not, that the only time you hear my voice is once a week on a Sunday. Not that you should be actively hearing me in the week. You should be hearing me the second time in your mind by thinking over what I've taught you. Right? That I call the second hearing. Right? You, you consistently play it over and over and over and over again in your mind until it starts to manifest in obedience. Paul taught Timothy that this is the way. Paul taught his son, I want you to do this. So that he said to him, in another place, your profiting or your progress will appear to many. It will be observable. I'll share that next week. Next week I'll talk about the next subject is med meditation's manifestation. In other words, the person who has meditated, I will see certain signs in their life. Hey, that this person's really employing the mind there. One of the signs is apparent, obvious, measurable spiritual progress. Paul said, think about these things. Meditate upon them, that your progress might be evident to everybody. Hey? Amazing verse. But meditate on what I say. Think about what I say, and your progress will be evident to everybody amen so i want to encourage you to meditate on the word of god especially the dimension released from your spiritual father both its content like i said and its frequency but also you must meditate on specific promises of god relative to the specific predicament or circumstance that you find yourself in so whatever need you have Find promises in God's word that speak to that need or encourage you in yourself. Meditate upon that because the word will give you hope. The word will give you strength. Right? Remember when David's men spake of stoning him? What did David do? And David encouraged himself in the Lord is. David encouraged himself in the Lord is God. And I really believe he encouraged himself through the scriptures. Okay, sometimes when I'm feeling down and it's reading the Bible is the furthest thing from my mind. I force myself. That's amazing. The power and the encouragement from the scriptures. Take my iPad, lie down on the couch if I have to. Usually the Psalms are very encouraging to me. I'll call if I know a specific portion. Uh, um, the other night, um, last night, I was awoken uh, for about half an hour. It was half from two to about half past two. 
I made a cup of tea and I decided I sat in my couch in the lounge and I prayed in tongues. And the Lord led me literally to Romans chapter 8. Right? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, 29, and the following verses. Right? And it's an amazing encouragement. Almost a whole new message awoke within my spirit from that portion of scripture. And God knew I needed it for the hour in which I was experiencing at that time. Amen. So God, everyone say promises. Here's an amazing verse from the NIV. Psalm 119 verse 148 says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promises. Right? Meditate on His promises. 2 Peter 1.4 Now, let me just say this before we read this. You can meditate on any promise of God. These not, not, do not have to necessarily be need-centered issues. You don't have to be going through a specific heavy need. Now you say, I'm going to find promises to, to speak to me. No, it's, it's not about that. Right? In fact, for the next series that we are starting after this firstborn sonship, uh, when, when you function there, all you do you simply focus on your identity as a son. Right? And you're not seeking God to, res- to, to get responses from Him in certain capacities, although He will always break through for you. But there's a quiet inner repose and confidence that we are simply His firstborn sons that He will respond to. So they, they need not be need-centered issues only, but issues of guidance, understanding, comfort, and most particularly, issues of imbibing the divine nature of God. Now say with me, promises. Whenever you think of promises, you think of, I'm going to get something out of this, God's going to break through for me. Right? But promises is a gentle, generic term for the totality of the scriptures. Right? Second Peter 1.4 says, For by these God has granted unto us His precious and magnificent promises so that by them you might become partakers of the divine nature. Right? So promises is not essentially just something you attempting to get God to respond to, to bring alleviation to a serious need. Right? His magnificent and precious promises is a gentle, descriptive term for the entirety of His word, by which, through obedience to it, you become a partaker of His divine of his divine nature. As you meditate upon this, his nature will become yours. Now that leads us to the second focus area of meditation. So the first focus of, of meditation's matter is the word of God, right? The general word, your own reading, your own study, your own um, reflection, especially the words of your spiritual father, its content and its scheme or form. Promises in the Word of God, specific promises that speak to your private need. Promises by which you imbibe His nature. Now, the second focus is God's ways. Everyone say God's ways. The first three are easy to remember. God's Word, God's ways, and God's works. The ways of God speak to the person or the name of God. Remember what God said concerning Israel? Israel knew my works, but Moses knew my ways. Right? 
Now, for example, if you only meditate on promises with the understanding that God, I want God to break through for me because I want to see Him do something here in my life. Your works focus, and it's right, you'll see some scriptures to that effect. But you must always seek to meditate at the higher realm. The higher realm is, I want to meditate to know the inner workings of this Creator. I want to know what makes Him tick. I want to know His internal motivation. I want to know His internal plan and posture, His plans and His purposes. I want to know His secrets, the secrets of the Lord Belong to those that fear Him, the Scripture says. So I want to get into His heart. I want to know His ways. I'm not just seeking works. I'm not just seeking deeds, although that has a place. Now, Psalm 119 verse 55 says, I meditate on Your name all night, O God, treasuring Your revelation, O God, the Message Bible. Love this verse of Scripture. I meditate on Your name. And what does name depict? Nature, I meditate on your nature all night. O God, treasuring your, treasuring your revelation or revelation about you. I, I, I meditate, now you can meditate for example on the kindness of God, on the patience of God, on the majesty of God, the grandeur of God, the kingliness of our God, um, the saving power of his God. His omniscience, His omnipotence, His omnipresence. The fact that, for example, He has a shepherding disposition. He's a guide. So isolate an aspect of His nature. Your, your mind is, I want you, Father, to saturate me. Uh, to saturate my mind with an understanding of this aspect of what you represent. Right? This aspect of what you represent. I meditate on your name, your nature. Right? Now, David said this, I think it's David, in verse 15 of Psalm 119. I meditate on your precepts and I regard your ways. So regard, in other words, I take note of your ways. Now, How do we know the, what reveals the nature of God? What reveals His nature primarily? His Word. The Word, however you look at it, is still the subject of your motivation. Because if you're going to focus on God's ways or name, you must read God's Word. Because His Word and He are one. Right? And Jesus is revealed from the, from the, from the Scriptures. Here's one of my favorite Psalms all my youth. Psalm 27. Verse 4 says, One thing I asked or desired of the Lord, and that I will seek, that I might do what? Dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to meditate in His temple. I'm quoting the NASB. The King James says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. The word inquire in the, in the King James, in the NASB, is translated, I will meditate. Now notice the psalmist's passion. Everyone say one thing. And you know David, this is the psalm of David. 
David wrote this as king. He was probably, his hands were full of responsibility at this stage. He was the most busiest man around. Yet, um, I read a psalm yesterday, it's not in your notes, but he said, I will not give sleep to my eyes until I have found a place for my God. Right? Um, he was always conscious that I must never factor God out of my life or my mind. I will meditate and think of the Lord. In this psalm, one thing have I desired. And the word desire is to strain after, to strive after as a goal. One thing have I desired, and that will I seek after. That I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To do what? To behold His beauty and to meditate. Inquire is meditate. And to meditate in His temple. Remember I told you in the first session on the study or in the series on meditation. The Hebrew word for meditation is Hagah. Remember? Prime, primary word translated meditate. But now I'm going to introduce you to a whole lot of a cluster of words that imply meditation in terms of the context in which they are used. Now these are different Hebrew words. The first one is here. Where David said, I will meditate in his temple. Now Think, think with me, what is he beholding? He's in the house and he's beholding the beauty. Everyone say beauty. Splendor and the majesty of God. And he says, I want to meditate in his temple. Right? One thing. Say, tell me about one thing. I want to encourage you. Think about or think more about God than what you presently do. This is a challenge to you. Think more about God than what you presently do. Like I said, you're always thinking. You're always meditating. There's never a time when your mind is not being exercised. But factor God in. And start to fill your mind with aspects of Him. Right? That will saturate and permeate your entire thinking process. The word used here is the word bakar, which literally means, and I like this meaning, it means to plow. That's why I got a picture of two cows plowing a field there. It means to plow to break forth. And notice, to inspect, to consider, to seek, to search, and to inquire. That's why the King James uses the word, and to inquire. But the word inquire loses the sense, the real power of this word, bakar. Right? Now note the image of plowing in this Hebrew word, bakar, is interesting in the natural. Right? Plowing a field does what? It prepares a field for the plantation of? Crops, not so. Why are fields plowed? Fields, I mean, the ground is hard usually, so they want to loosen and break up the clogs. So field is always plowed for the reception of seed. Once seed is planted, nurtured, it now grows, blossoms, and fruit is yielded. Liam has been um, growing sunflower seed since December, since three, four weeks ago, Right? cut a little patch at the back of our yard there and from seed and every morning first thing he gets up he's up at the back of the yard watering these things sean has seen it and when sean did our service on the tata um he put some compost in between sean wears many caps <laughs> okay and now for the first time yesterday this morning um the sunflower is pushing out the, the flower is starting to they're about this high already Right? From, a, from a barren, you turn the soil. You always plow to drop seed, and then you nurture what is grown, 
and it brings forth productivity. Okay? Now think about that same process in, the ref- in reference to your mind. The medi- I like, like to say this, the meditated mind is a plowed mind. Right? You know what I think? Please hear me carefully. He who meditates often, as opposed to he who does not meditate, the two can be sitting in the same environment, and a preacher can drop seed, drop seed, drop seed. The meditated mind. I'm talking about the person who is already employing his mind consistently on the word and on God's nature. He comes in with a mind already plowed to receive more seed. Right? Um, a mind prepared to receive the seed which is the, the word of the Lord. We're going to the conference tomorrow. Guess what? Is the state of my mind. Can't wait for the first session. This time tomorrow I'll be sitting. I'll probably be just about to start preaching. This time tomorrow, the first session. My mind is plowed, furrowed, ready to receive. What will Sam release as an apostle of Christ? What will Sean release? What will Dr. Segi? What will Thamo? And what will Dr. Elijah release? So my mind is ready to receive. Right? And so that I can blossom in what is released and bear fruit in, in much abundance. Amen? So I want to encourage you. Please, brethren, if you're not meditating as I've been instructing you, your mind is clogged hard. It's, it's not ready to receive certain seed. But the more you do it, guess what? You're preparing your mind for the reception of even more and more things to come. Amen? Now, let me just, please, just look, look, don't look at your notes, look at me. I'll try and explain this as easily as possible. There's two references here. With the revelation we currently know concerning local church and city church. The temple refers to the city church. The house, Bayith, refers to the local church. David said, one thing about his eye of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell where? In the Bayith. In the house of the Lord. To do what? To behold the, the beauty of the Lord. But where does the meditation take place? And I inquire, I meditate where? In the temple. Right? The way I see it is like this. In the city church context, key apostolic fathers, in our context, like Dr. Segi, Thamo, Sam and others, Sean Bluchnote, will, will come and they release strategic aspects of God's nature and God's purpose. If I receive that, it plows my mind. It prepares my mind for greater unveilings of the beauty of the Lord in the house. That's why I go to citywide meetings every single week. Every Thursday, every Wednesday, two days in my week I've devoted to this. Why? I realize these guys are plowmen as it were, in the spirit. And the more when I meditate on what they release, guess what? I will never see some of the beauty of God's nature in our house. You will never hear some of the things I'm speaking about in my preaching if I was not at those meetings. Those are preparatory 
to release God's beauty in the house. Right? So you've got to see the connection. That's why for me, city gatherings are not negotiable anymore. It's amazing how, since we have greater understanding of just how critically important the city church is. And when you read scriptures like this, you suddenly see, wow, God is a genius at hiding things in His Word and only showing them to us at certain times. Amen? Tell you about one thing. Please let this become a favorite verse of yours. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord, the Bayith, the local church, all the days of my life, the family context. To behold what? To behold the, the beauty of the Lord and to meditate on in His, in His temple. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. Amen. At the top of page 3 I wrote, through meditation on what is released of God's nature through strategically positioned apostolic fathers within a city context, city church context. The mind is plowed and prepared for deeper insight into the person of God within the local church context. Okay? When we go to schools, guess what? We go for plowing. <laughs> Irrigation, preparation, seed is dropped. Amen? So I want to encourage you, let me, let me say it like this, different way to say this. Certain aspects of God's nature and beauty you will never see if you don't allow your mind to be plowed meditatively within the context of city church meetings where strategic apostolic fathers are, are delivered the word of the Lord to you. Okay? This is vital for this. Now, Psalm 63 verse 6 says, when I remember you upon my bed, I meditate upon you in the, in the night watches. I remember you upon my bed. How many of you think of God upon your bed? Well, that's the time you don't want to think at all. It's time to. I want to practice you like, uh, I, want to, I want to encourage you to practice like I have been. Let your last dominant thought before you sleep be something of God. His word, His name. His name. David said this so many times out the Psalms. When I remember you, on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. In Psalm 35 verse 28, he said, My tongue shall speak of your righteousness. The word speak here should be, is haga, is meditate. It should be, my tongue meditates on your righteousness. Remember the meaning of haga means to employ the mind in, in consideration and simultaneously to, to speak or to, to mutter in soft undertones. So it's, it's fine to say, my tongue meditates. My tongue shall speak of your righteousness and of your praise all day long. Psalm 48 verse 9 is interesting. It says, within your temple, O God, we meditate. Again, city church, in your temple we meditate. On your unfailing love. Right? That's the NIV. We meditate. Now yeah, the word meditate is dama. And it literally means to liken, to compare, to think or imagine. Now there are two nuances of this word. Now please look here. The nuances are simple. Dama, to think, to, re to resemble, to liken. Right? 
So he says, let me read the verse again. He says, within your temple, O God, I meditate on what? You. Specifically, what about you? Your unfailing love. Notice how he defines God's love is un. So the, the psalmist is literally looking for an adjective to describe the love. When he thinks about God's love, he's focusing on the fact that God's love never fails. Right? So he's focusing on a descriptive of an aspect of God's nature. So the word dama means to liken or to compare, to think or imagine. It's a very good practice to do this. Whenever you think about something about God and you're meditating upon it, to find something as an analogy to it, something by which to compare it to. Right? The psalmist says, in the temple, O God, I meditate on your unfailing love. What the psalmist is saying, I seek for analogies for your love. Remember the song we sing that Lenny LeBlanc wrote? How could I describe my Lord? Uh, could I ever say enough? It would be much easier to count the stars above. So he says in the chorus, So I, I imagine, I meditate, I think about it. I imagine of an ocean wide and mercy like the skies. More beautiful than anything. Could only just begin to paint a portrait of my king. Right? So nature, the stars become analogies for him to compare when he thinks about God's radiance and God's beauty. And the fact of how a painter attempting to paint a portrait of God, that in the song he says, if he paints the stars and the, the expanse and the, the beauty of the sky, that is only starting to describe will only just begin to paint a portrait of my king. So you've got to fill your mind with these things. I'm telling you, brethren, if you don't fill your mind with these things, Satan, like the Bible says in, in, in John 13 verse 2, Satan having put into the heart of Judas to betray the Lord. If you're not going to direct your mind, Satan's going to have a field there. And he will make satanic insertions there. So it's wonderful to contemplate God. You know why it's wonderful to contemplate God? This word dama also means this. It doesn't just mean to find analogies. It also means to resemble, right? So the ultimate of reflecting on God's nature is to be like God, right? Is to be like what you see. Right? This is the principle of as we behold, we, be, we become. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. As we behold we become. As a man thinks, so if I think about God, what am I? Like God. Say after me, as I think, so am I. If I think like God, I'll behave like God. You cannot tell me, let's say you, Matthew shared a powerful word thought this morning, this afternoon, you must have read it, concerning the mercy of God. I was so blessed when I, I received, really spoke to my own heart. And a bunch of other scriptures started to raise through my mind. It's like the thought he shared opened a door for me about a whole message that I'll share sometime with you. Um, the more you, th let's say you think about what he wrote about the mercy of God. You cannot tell me you're going to meditate on the fact that God is merciful. The mercy, mercy of God. And then tomorrow, someone is in your world 
that you are prone to judge. But you know what? Because you've exercised your mind on God's mercy, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be merciful. Because you are what you have thought. The more you behold Him in your mind, the more you become like Him. Right? As a man thinks, so easy. And I added, as a man meditates, so will he manifest. As a man meditates, so will he manifest. You are the manifestation of the, of, of the subject of your thinking. The state of your mind is evidence in your behavior. Right? Another way of putting this, I can tell you what fills your mind by simply examining your actions. Right? <laughs> if it's in your mind, it's in your behavior. Belief informs behavior. Right? Now, how many of you love God? Let me see your hands. How many of you fear God? Let me see your hands. You reverence Him. Now, one of Job's friends said this to him. And although he said it incorrectly because he was judging Job, but the principle still remains, I think. Job 15.4 Indeed, you do away with reverence and you hinder meditation before God. The moment you stop fearing God and reverencing Him, you factor Him from out of your mind. And you will not meditate on His name, His nature, His essence, His beauty. So I want to encourage you, meditation is a powerful way of maintaining your reverence, your fear for God. Okay? The word meditation used in, in Job 15.4 is sikka, which means to muse, to reflect, and even to pray. I love this verse in Malachi 3.16. Remember, we are still dealing with God as the subject of your thoughts, filling your mind with the ways and the nature of our God. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name notice fear the lord and meditate whoever reverences and fears god will automatically meditate on his name a different hebrew word is used here it's the word chashab for meditate i love this word it means to plait or to interpenetrate to weave think of braids the hair think of a plait what is a plait Where's a plait? No one's here is plaited. Plaits are out of fashion. I haven't seen plaits in, in a long time. Eh? A plait is this. It's usually three. A rope can be plaited or any string. Here is usually plaited. It's usually three uh, strands that are interlaced. What it does to the hair, it keeps it neat. It prevents it from l- loose hanging or getting out of form. Keeps order. Keeps regimen. Now think about this. It says, listen carefully, those that spoke often one to another. I love this verse. What did God do? The Lord, come on, talk to me. The Lord did what? The Lord listened. He heard something. People were having fellowship and exchanging their views about the nature of God. And the Bible says the Lord heard it and he listened. A book of remembrance was written before him to those who feared the Lord and who... I would like to say it like this. 
whose minds were like their, their, their thoughts were plaited, weaved in, interpenetrated with the content of his name, his nature. You know when your mind is strongly plaited with God's thoughts, it's not easily dislodged. It's not less lo let loose. It's not easily vulnerable to every wind of doctrine. Think of a, of a girl with loose hair and a girl with same hair but plaited nice and neat with just one strand or maybe two like they have. Heidi. <laughs> okay. And a violent wind blows. The loose hair will go all over the place but the plait will keep it sturdy and strong. Right? And I want to encourage you, don't let your mind be seduced by every wind of doctrine. But the meditated mind is the safe mind. Uh, tell your neighbor, have a braided mind. Have a plated or plaited mind. Please take this reference down. I forgot to add this in. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says the following. Do not be soon shaken in your mind. Do not be soon shaken in your mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. Okay? There are many people that are soon dislodged. Fear, uh, despair grip their minds. You become soon shaken mentally. But when your, your mind is literally weaved, interpenetrated, braided, pervaded with divine thoughts and principles, you cannot be easily dislodged, nor easily lose your focus nor easily swept by any foreign or thoughts that are alien to the nature and the purpose of God. Okay? So, two visual images I want you to have. Have a plowed mind and a plaited mind. Have an irrigated mind prepared for seed. That's what meditation does. And it keeps the mind coherent. It keeps the mind strong. Right? And Malachi 3.16 says, those who plait their thoughts with the name of God, they meditate on His name. Okay? And you know, threefold things are more excellent. A plait is not a plait unless there's three or more strands. Not so, I don't think. You need at least three. Last time I checked, I still have a daughter. <laughs> okay. Um, a threefold cord is not easily broken, the scripture says. Threefold things are more Excellent thing. So this tells me I must have an excellent mind. Amen. Tell your neighbor, interpenetrate. Have a weaved mind. But you know what? The word, if you look at the meaning, the chishab also means towards the end, to regard and to value. You exercise your mind on God's thoughts because you fear Him. And you regard Him very, very highly. Your fear and your reverence for God. Right? Remember Romans 1, for when they knew God, they glorified Him, not as God, neither were they thankful. I'm amazed, um, I think it's in a state in Los Angeles um, that just sanctioned the first legal marriage between a man and a dog. The pictures were blazing all over the internet. Law passed, and they quoted the law, everything. Formal reception, a priest even um, condones this kind of activity. And you know the, 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 the debacle at the Grammys, how they defaced the whole institution of, of marriage, right? The world is getting worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Things are declining. 
And when you examine the root of all this, Romans, we studied Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 talks about all of this, even about animals, it says. Right? And you know what the root cause was? They take God and they factor him out of the mind. To retain God in your knowledge, I'm telling you, brethren, through meditation, will cause you to sin less. Right? There's a verse which I'll show you next week about meditations manifest. The outcome is you'll be less prone to walk away from the nature of God that you have uh, um, meditated upon in your mind. Remember, whatever is in your mind becomes your life. And as you meditate upon the nature of God, so too will it become your experience in God. Meditate on His name. I pray tonight as you sleep, that before you sleep, you will give no sleep to your eyes until you find a place for the Lord your God. Like David says, my eyes prevent the night watches. That I might meditate upon your upon your name. If you deliberately have to read a verse of scripture before you sleep, then do so. Think about it. Ruminate. Plat the mind. Plow the mind. Braid the mind. Weave the mind. Hold it together. Because God's going to require a... Let me say this. a prophecy. In the way we're going to, in the history of this church, in the future, rather, the coming days, God's going to require mental focus on a vastly different level to where it is right now. Because right? of what God is about to release, it's going to require a, a prepared mind to engage the things that He desires to do. Amen. I'm going to stop there because of time. Amen. It's already 10 past 8. We haven't got really to the crux of this, but we'll continue on Sunday morning um, with it. Amen. You love God. You fear God, you reverence God, and I encourage you, retain the Lord in your, in your thinking. But you never factor God out of, your, out of your mind, but meditate on the Lord. Repeat after me one thing. Uh, say one thing. Close your eyes, say one thing. Just lift your hands to those. Say, Father, one thing. Do I desire of you tonight? And that will I seek after. That will I strive after. This one thing I reach for. Amidst all my busyness. Amidst all my work responsibilities. All my family responsibilities. One thing I strive after. That I might dwell in your house forever. To behold your beauty. And to meditate upon you. In your temple. Just lift our hands to you. The man whose mind is filled with the divine, with God, will do great things in the coming season. God is looking for a generation so thoughtful of Him. And I use the words deliberate. Thoughtful. Whose thoughts are full of Him. That their thinking of Him becomes the pattern of their lives. Because what we see, we will become. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart, Father, 
be acceptable in thy sight. They that spake often one to another. Feared the Lord and the Lord listened. And he heard it. And a book of remembrance was opened to them. That meditated upon his name. Father we want to meditate. Plow and plate our minds with thoughts and of you. I pray, O oh Father, that you would reveal yourself to our thinking. Let the eyes of our understanding be enlightened as you, the light, fill our minds with all that you represent. Father, I pray in the coming seasons as we look at the law of the Lord and read your word, may you jump out of the pages. Literally, Father, show yourself to us. We pray the prayer of Moses. Show us your glory through your word. Father, we, we lift up our hands to say to you, our minds are ready. My ground is plowed, Father, to receive new seed, to receive new dimensions of your ways. I want to know what makes you tick. I want to know what, what drives you. I want to know the inner workings of your purposes. Don't just want to be the recipients of your works. I want to know you. I want to know your ways. And we commit tonight, Father, to fill our minds with thoughts of you. Tonight we will practice it, Father. Think of your loveliness. Think of your faithfulness. I'm reminded of the scripture you enlightened to me last night, Father. What shall separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus? Shall tribulation, nakedness, peril, distress, famine, or the sword? No, in all of these things, I am more than a conqueror through him that has loved me. I pray, O oh God, that your Nature would become more real to us. Let us not become automatic, mechanical, and clinical Christians, but sons of God that know their Father, sons whose minds are plowed and plaited with the nature of their God. So we lift up our minds to you. I pray, Father, that you prepare the ground for great revelation. May we not be discredited in a season when you're about to sow new seed of new dimensions of yourself. May we not be found amongst those whose ground of the mind has not been irrigated properly, properly plowed and prepared. So Father, we pray that you prepare us for great revelations of yourself. For as we think, so we will be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.